0: Radio where gamers roll. www.b2b2radio.com.
1: Hey, Cortex fans, uh, welcome to the primed by Cortex podcast. I'm your host, JT and i'm your co-host kirby and today we're going to be talking
0: about what is cortex prime JT and i will go over what the branding itself says and its history and we'll talk about how it generally works and go over in broad strokes uh, the various sort of ingredients as it were that factor into cortex prime
1: all right well let's uh dive into it then so um cortex prime is a role-playing game and uh cortex actually began uh with the iteration now called cortex classic which um came about through the serenity role-playing game by margaret weiss productions in 2005 but then it uh expanded to include things like uh the supernatural rpg uh battlestar galactica Eventually leading us into uh, a new iteration of Cortex, Cortex Plus. Kirby, you want to tell us a little bit about that?
0: So, Cortex Classic, as you were saying, covered a lot of those bases. And uh, even back then, it was already this kind of modifiable game. Cortex Plus uh, took it further, and we started seeing uh, some new changes to the Cortex system and uh, following with what Cortex Classic had been doing. Uh, Cortex Plus also landed several IPs, largely for TV shows and uh, big time IPs such as Marvel Heroics role playing, uh, Leverage, uh, but just based off the Leverage TV show Smallville, which is based off the Smallville uh, show, as well as Firefly, which was my introdu- introduction personally into Cortex. And so all these different games have the same core concepts and ideas. Even when they were using different sort of character builds and different angles on existing um, on existing mechanics, uh, which brings us to Cortex Prime.
1: Yeah, and uh, Cortex Prime is the latest modern iteration of the Cortex rule set. And it's really designed sort of as a successor in a lot of ways to the previous iterations in that it incorporates a lot of the different elements from uh, both Cortex Classic and uh, Cortex Plus and sort of uh, offers them to, uh, you know, puts those elements together in a modular way so that you can sort of choose which elements you want to have in a game and which work best for a particular setting that you want to do, and basically aims to be a generic uh, system that you can use for a lot of different genres and settings. Right, so although they are... Not presently being sold anywhere
0: online, or they have been taken off uh, these. They're they're not printing anymore, and essentially, you can take Cortex Prime and remake all those games, or you can start priming your own settings, whether you are mixing genres or looking at modern television shows that you would love to turn into uh, its own game system. Now, that's not to say that we're obviously just married to books; that this is a good system to prime, various video
1: games or book series that you might like, movies, etc. But um, it definitely does work well for anything that you want to have a more uh, cinematic type of tone. Like if you can imagine it through the lens of a camera, it should translate pretty well to Cortex Prime.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so in this episode, we're going to be talking about how that sort of works like what the underlying mechanic is for all of these different uh, settings and genres that we're talking about.
1: So uh, Cortex Prime, uh, unlike some of the other popular games like uh, Dungeons and Dragons or other D20 system games, uh, doesn't actually use the D20. Uh, So you still have all the other dice from D4 to D12. And uh, the most important thing to know is that you're going to be uh, using these different dice and putting them together into a dice pool using a uh, roll and keep system.
0: Right. And. In terms of what dice you're using, basically uh, all these different Cortex games can have different stats. Uh, unlike other toolbox systems such as Genesis or Savage Worlds, where yeah you can inject those with new skills and stuff. Uh, sometimes a Cortex game doesn't actually use your conventional attributes or skills, and that's the kind of thing we'll. That is the kind of thing we will talk about in future episodes. Uh, But typically you're putting a dice pool together and the specific size of the die, whether it's a D4, D8, D12, uh, whatever have you, uh, basically measures how good you are at that thing. And so you have all these different dice uh, at different sizes. You roll them together and you're trying to keep two of them. And a lot of times that will be the highest total that you can get between the two, two results. Very basic math. You're just adding two dice together at no additional cost. Uh, But other times there might come occasions where you might not want the highest total. And we'll certainly talk about that. Uh, Maybe not this episode, but I think in future episodes.
1: Yeah. And I uh, think it's important, actually, Kirby, to uh, mention that uh, the dice also uh, don't always necessarily mean that uh, those things are what you're best at. But it does uh, for sure mean that uh, it is um, what a character has uh, the most influence with within the story. So, you know, if you've got a superpower rated at D12, then that means that that superpower is going to be able to play a massive role in the narrative. Whereas if you had, you know, like a d4 punch skill then you're probably not going to be doing as much to change the way things are going with your punch
0: right and it can be a little deceptive a big pool obviously uh, can obviously help improve your chances of success and having bigger dice it's generally better Uh, but what the danger is between having like a big or small pool is uh is when you roll ones so basically Uh, When you roll your dice pool here for the most basic rolls, you're keeping two dice, but you can also roll ones which are referred to as hitches. And hitches basically don't get qualified to count toward your total. And on top of that, your game moderator might actually activate that hitch and create what is called a complication for you.
1: Yeah, and I think it might be good actually to talk about sort of like the basic setup of a Cortex game with everything else stripped away. So uh, basically what we're looking at is uh, every character is uh, going to have a trait and a trait is just something that... uh, you know, a character is good at doing or that, you know, plays a big role for them in the story. So a lot of times it could be something like, who are they? What do they do? So you could have, you know, like uh, you you could have um, heroic, super powered mutant as a trait. And that would sort of be something that really defines your character. Um, And it could really be anything depending on the genre and setting.
0: Yeah, and most Cortex games, whether it's an officially published game or something that your game moderator has cobbled together, uh, are going to outline this. So you're not necessarily inventing these traits on the fly, although you can certainly have games that do that. Uh, you're generally going to have a few different uh, traits. Um, you're generally going to have a few different types of traits, actually. And so. What we're largely going to be talking about in this episode is like the most basic character sheet that you might see in Cortex Prime. But that's not to say that you can't have more complex characters or more complex sheets by bringing in new traits that we're not going to really cover today, but we'll definitely mention.
1: So basically with your dice pool, you're going to just have a number of dice uh, and uh, you can add in more uh, depending on how many traits that relevant traits that you have to a roll to represent sort of the different strengths that you have in order to accomplish what you're trying to accomplish.
0: Yeah, and it's kind of a little bit like a shopping list. So uh, just like you have different sections in a grocery store, like produce section, cereal aisle, etc., uh, you'll find that your character sheets are going to categorize these different traits into what are called trait sets. And so the most like traditional trait set they can think of for most games outside of Cortex, like D&D or, uh, again, Savage Worlds or just any other game, right, is you're typically looking at attributes and skills, um, and which is an option to build a character sheet in Cortex. Uh, so you would be picking a die from your attribute, whichever one makes the most sense, and then you'd be picking a skill from the skill list, whichever makes more sense. Uh, but there's more to it. Uh, a very common traits are distinctions.
1: Yeah, and that uh, those distinctions are kind of like the example I gave earlier, Kirby, which was like the super-powered mutant, which is sort of a just a little phrase that describes something important about your character.
0: Yeah, and so for example here, if you are... Uh, ooh, what's a, what's a good fake name that we can use, Jim uh, default. <laughs> <laughs> so if you are a super powered mutant, uh, as per your distinction, you can actually use that die from your distinction. And a lot of times the sanctions are rated D D eight, although it doesn't necessarily have to be. And actually let me preface this, uh, before I say that line a lot. Uh, is none the way that this uh, hypothetical setup is geared for. It doesn't have to be that way. You can use different stats, different skills and stuff. Um, But for our example, if you're trying to save a kitten who is falling from a very tall tree, uh, Jane defaults might grab their die from their superpowered mutant distinction. They might grab another die from their attributes. In this case, uh, let's just say there's a generic physical attribute. Uh, physical, social, mental. And so they grab the physical attribute. That's the most relevant to what they're doing. They're racing across the field to go save that kitten. Uh, And then if we assume that like, I don't know, athletics is a skill on this hypothetical character sheet, they might use athletics as they kind of leap and bound over rocks and uh, falling over trees and such. And so now they have this dice pool consisting of three of their traits And they're going to roll it, and they're going to pick their two, usually their two highest ones, um, highest results.
1: Right, but you can totally choose uh, not to if you wanted. Um, It's kind of up to you, because there are other things that will come into play. Yeah, the reason why you might not want to pick your highest results uh,
0: is due to the fact that when you're making rolls, sometimes it matters how effective you are at a thing. And so you pick a third die to be your effect die. Um, And sometimes it's more important to have a big uh, effect on the situation than it is to have the highest total necessarily. But we're we're just going over basics right now. We're figuring out uh, how Jane Default is going to save that kitten. Uh, But how do you know if you're actually successful?
1: Right. So uh, by the default rules, um, any character who's doing, you know, rolling a uh, rolling for a task is going to be up against a difficulty pool. And basically it's constructed in a very similar way to the way that a, a player character will do theirs. Usually it's rolled by the game moderator and they're basically rolling and keeping two dice also. And whatever the, whatever uh, the difficulty pool ends up being will tell you the number that you need to beat. Yep.
0: And unlike a lot of systems, you have to beat that target number and you're going to know what the target number is. This uh, opposition pool is not rolled in secret. Um, and again, uh, like JT was alluding to, that's just the kind of vanilla way of approaching gameplay. We can, of course, change a lot of different factors to include what traits are available to play. Uh, we can also talk about how you can, you know, if, if you don't like the idea of doing opposed roles, because maybe you think it slows down the games, you can actually nix uh, that out and it will work just fine. The game moderator can just choose a number. And all these different things get factored into what the Cortex Prime system calls mods.
1: Right. Mods are just different variations to the rules or optional things that you can add in or take away in order to change the way that the game is played. And uh, usually you do that in order to change like the tone of a setting or to include certain elements that might be in one setting but not another and to make sure that it plays the way you want it to. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And uh, so if
0: if there's any like particular thing you maybe didn't like about that example, uh, like maybe you don't like the idea of just having a physical status should be broken out to dexterity and strength and constitution or whatever. You can absolutely have that in your game uh, and you can also modify the way the game plays by adopting some of these mods. And so this is is by design, this is why it's really called, this is why the system refers to itself as being modular. Like uh, it's a toolbox system and it's a system that actually gives you different tools to use uh, for your specific game
1: exactly and uh the last element that i think probably would be good to cover kirby is uh is a mechanic that is integral to many cortex games but not necessarily all and you can certainly take it out if you don't like it but that is the plot point yeah the plot point is this sort of meta currency that gets spent at the table
0: you can't take it out or substitute it uh, it would be rough without changing other stuff and You know, that's maybe an episode that we can talk about uh, in the future for JT, Uh, but basically plot points are a way to sort of divvy out narrative power, both between the game moderator and the player character.
1: So plot points can be used in a few ways, and we're not going to cover all of them now because that is sort of beyond the scope of this episode. But uh, one of the ways that you could use it would be to include more than uh, two dice in your total that you roll. So uh, if you didn't meet the or if you didn't beat the difficulty that you're trying to beat, maybe you want to spend a plot point and add in a third die that'll get you over that number.
0: Yeah, there's a number of things you could be doing before or after a uh, die roll has occurred to try to better your chances. And so, uh, like JT said, we're not going to cover every single base. But in a hy- uh, in a hypothetical game where JT is just running this completely dreadful game where he's just tossing kittens out of trees for some reason, um, let's say JT let's say JT rolls and uh, the op- let's say JT rolls the opposition and managed to roll a whopping I don't know fourteen, uh, which is actually a pretty meaty difficulty to put yourself uh, against, especially when you're only rolling three dice. And let's say Jane defaults uh, roll, then rolls, because uh, usually in such a test, uh, the opposition poll is rolled before the player character. Uh, Jane default rolls a 12, and that's keeping her two highest defaults. Uh, that's keeping her two highest results, which was, uh, let's just say, both sixes. And so the third die, which is not being used right now, uh, this situation does really need an effect die, uh, is a four. And if she was allowed to uh, include that into her dice uh, total, she would be successful. And, you know, she has spare plot points. She decides to spend a plot point and add that uh, third die toward the total. And bring her up and over 14, and she successfully saves the kitten. But there are other things we could be doing with that plot point.
1: Yeah. One, one other thing that I could imagine you could do it with a plot point in that situation would be maybe uh, Jane Default activates one of her powers using a special effect, and maybe that lets her add in an additional die into the pool so that she has a higher chance of rolling higher than that uh, difficulty number. Another thing, and this is something I personally
0: really like, especially when I was first like learning the game, is chain default could be spending a plot point to add to uh, to add a die to the dice pool before even rolling, and uh, this is used to create what are called assets. And assets are literally anything that reflects the conditions, circumstances, or they they could be objects in the environment, uh, they could be the environment themselves. Anything that's going to have like a dramatic effect toward the success of a character. And so these assets come into play. They're temporary. Uh, They typically last a scene. And, you know, there's a little bit of nuance there as to like making it better or making it last longer. But in our situation, uh, Jane defaults could be talking about like maybe we established this park where this kitten is falling out of the tree as being a golf course. And so rather than just relying on her super mutant speed, uh, maybe Jane Default spends a plot point to turn a nearby golf cart into an asset that she can use to get herself there faster. And so that would be added to her pool before she rolls as an extra die, improving her
1: chances at being successful. Right. And uh, I think that's basically anything a new player to Cortex would have to really know in order to start playing. I think it's uh, pretty straightforward and simple, wouldn't you say, Kirby? I would say so. And the Cortex Prime handbook definitely
0: adds a more streamlined way than we described it uh, as to visualizing what's going on. Jane Default is a character uh, in the cortex handbook uh, that you can follow and various examples and try to wrap your head around the game before you get into it but that's a very like rough cuts of what it looks like to play a cortex prime situation out
1: so uh now that our listeners know a little bit more about the system uh, why don't we talk a little bit about what sort of games and other things we can expect from the cortex prime line all right, so at the time of this recording, the Cortex Prime Handbook
0: has been released, and that's basically going to cover the various rules—not uh, just what we talk about, but even the more nuanced rules that you can choose to introduce into your game. And that handbook also comes with three like mini-settings that you can just pick up and run for your players. Is otherwise sort of a handbook as to how to prime your own games. But for dear listeners who might find that a little bit daunting, especially since, you know, they're still trying to figure out they like the game. uh, There are a couple
1: of products that are releasing next year. Yes, and uh, one of them that I think is really cool is um, Legends of Grey Skull, which basically uh, is all about the Masters of the Universe. So things like uh, He-Man and She-Ra. Yeah, and that's going to cover
0: like a multiverse situation. So you can totally have the old school He-Man situation going on, or you can lean into more of the new school stuff or. Whatever they're apparently doing with the miniseries that they're releasing on, I think, Netflix next year. Uh, and by them, I mean Netflix in general, not fandom, uh, which would be wild. Um, but uh, they have Legends of Greyskull. They also have Tales from Exadia, which is based off the Dragon Prince, uh, which is also another Netflix show.
1: Yeah. And then uh, if you were just interested in doing uh, games that maybe aren't tied to an existing IP, but you don't want to have to do the work of creating your own setting, they're also going to be releasing a few different volumes of Prime Spotlights, which are basically, you know, setting in game books uh, made for unique uh, Cortex Creator settings. Yeah. And I think that's around 22,
0: 24 games that they're going to be releasing, uh, varying in how well they're going to be flushed out. And um, those are all going to be available in the future. Uh, We don't have dates, Uh, but that actually brings us to why we're even here, the creator studio which uh, JT I don't know if you want to talk about that for a second
1: yeah so um, the creator studio is going to be a platform that is actually run by fandom that owns the uh, rights to cortex prime and uh, basically what it's going to do is allow you and others to release your own games or settings and other um, and and, uh, other publications that are based on and using the cortex system so if you've ever dreamed about becoming a game designer and maybe even uh you know publishing your own setting or anything else like that uh and you like cortex you can go ahead and you can submit your game there using the cortex system and you would be able to have people see it and even pay for it and uh hopefully you know get people playing it all around the world Yeah. And it's also important to note that this is
0: where you're going to be able to get digital products is from Fandom's Cortex Creative site. Now, you can go to CortexRPG.com and at the time of this recording, they haven't released their digital tools, uh, which they are working on. It's going to allow you to build character sheets for your settings, and I believe it should be allowing you to do dice rolls as well. Uh, But it's also where you're going to find digital purchases for PDFs and stuff. It won't be sold anywhere else, to the best of my knowledge. Uh, In terms of hard copy stuff, it sounds like that kind of thing is still going to be sold at your local game shop. Um, I know a lot of the backers have gotten theirs uh, already. And a lot of people have been placing orders as we speak to game shops as they started coming in. So. At the time of this recording, the digital copies are not being sold yet. Uh, By the time we publish this, hopefully they will be. They talked about a short turnaround time. uh, But as is, uh, you could be finding Cortex in other games and game shops as well.
1: But if you're really excited about Cortex and just want to see uh, how it plays, there's actually a great video, which we can include in the show notes. Uh, and Cam Banks actually ran Legends of Grey Skull for a few celebrities, including Felicia Day.
0: Yeah. And I think at least one of those celebrities is actually going to be in that miniseries that they're doing.
1: Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we'll we'll put those in the show notes and then you can actually watch a Cortex game in practice and basically see all the different elements that Kirby and I have been talking about this episode in play.
0: Yeah, but we're not going to just be doing system discussions, which. Uh, That is going to probably make up a good chunk of our content uh, is talking about these specific ingredients and mods uh, in Cortex and how they might apply to your setting or genre or whatever your project is. Uh, But we're going to be covering other segments.
1: Yeah. um, For example, we actually have uh, some uh, interviews in the pipeline already.
0: Yeah, so we have a handful of interviews, we're going to be talking to creators, both uh, big and small. Um, and we also plan on
1: taking listener questions. Yes, we do, because we want to hear what you want to know about the Cortex system and any you know feedback or ideas that you might have. We also are planning on hopefully doing some actual plays and scenarios on the podcast, which I think is going to be a lot of fun for people to uh, see a Cortex game in action from us.
0: Yeah, so we'll do actual plays. We are also, and this is another thing that listeners can submit in our suggestions for, we're also planning on doing segments where we just kind of prime a existing IP or mash up some IPs and or genres uh, with how JT and I might do it if we were running it for our game or for the podcast, which, to be clear, there's... In my opinion, no single way to prime a given IP. I feel like you could take a given show or book series and prime it any manner of way. So we're, we're certainly not the authorities on, oh, this is how a Care Bears RPG is supposed to look like. So where can people find us and send us these uh, crazy suggestions, questions and ideas that they might have?
1: yeah so uh the best way to get in contact with us is probably through email which is going to be PBC podcasts that's, that's primed by cortex podcast but PBC podcast at d20 radio.com which are which uh, is our affiliate network and then uh, we also have a Facebook page if you're a Facebook user and you wanted to get in touch with us there and keep track of you know the different content content and discussions going on there and we also have a twitter which is uh at primed by cortex and so uh yeah get us your questions give us feedback um we would absolutely love if you would uh subscribe and rate our show on itunes or wherever you uh, wherever else you get your podcasts uh any feedback is always helpful for us both for uh you know improving our show and also letting other people know about the show and getting the word out there yeah And that's our show, Prime by Cortex. We hope you'll
0: tune in uh, next time when we drop some more system discussions. And we hope to get some interviews out to you all soon. We have a nice, tidy little backlog for that. And we'll see you around. See ya.